So last week, Tommy had an excellent message. He really did. It was really challenging. And he challenged us to raise our hands, to step forward, and to become a whosoever that would be, that would be used by God. That was his challenge to all of us last week. And I would encourage you, if you haven't heard that message, to go back and listen to it. It's a really good message, but don't do that right now because that would be rude. <laughs> you just left to go hear his message when I'm right here giving a new one. But anyway, I wouldn't take it personal or anything probably. What was I? So anyway, no, he challenged you. And many of you, you walked out the doors and we had Connect signups. And Connect signups are still going on. And many of you actually said, it's time for me to step forward. It's time for me to raise my hand. It's time for me to be a whosoever that could be used by God. We had a lot of people sign up for the marriage conference. It's not too late. Initiate. Don't wait. Initiate today. We had a lot of people sign up for Serve Day 2019. We had so many people that decided last week that they were ready to be a whosoever. They raised their hand. They stepped forward. And now God is slowly changing their lives forever. So I want to start today with the whosoever. I want to take you back a few thousand years into the Bible. And I want to start with the whosoever that raised his hand. And he's like, put me in, coach. Put me in, God. I'm ready. I'm ready to be a whosoever. And that would be David. And we're going to go this morning, I would call this after Goliath. We're going to pick up this morning after David defeats Goliath. And David is 15 years old. He just got his learning permit. He's driving himself to the battlefield. <laughs> and David defeats Goliath. And almost overnight, he becomes a legend. And they start singing songs about David. And everybody just loves David virtually overnight. This made King Saul, the king of Israel at the time, very nervous. Because King Saul realized that David had a lot of potential. But King Saul also realized that David was gaining a lot of power and influence. And so then some more time goes by, about seven years and during this seven years, David is in King Saul's favor, and David is out of King Saul's favor. And on several occasions, King Saul actually throws a spear or javelin at David, and he ducks and keeps going. On several occasions, David or King Saul actually sends David out on these missions, these super, like, almost impossible missions. And David comes back, and he's more successful, and God is just blessing him. And the people, they love David even more. And then on top of all, this King Saul has found out that his son Jonathan and David's wife have made a pact with David, and they love David. And so anytime that King Saul wanted to kill David or had a plot to kill him, they would tell David about this. And then finally, one night at dinner, it always happens at dinner, doesn't it? <laughs> King Saul flares up his anger. This is 1 Samuel 20, 30 through 31. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman. And I was thinking when I read this, is the perverse and rebellious woman sitting at the table? Because this dinner got super awkward <laughs> just now. I also thought to myself, boy, this would be a good time to sign up for the Summer Love and Marriage Conference. <laughs> Initiate, don't wait. But yeah, he goes on to say, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse? This is David. Don't, don't I know that you've sided with David to your own shame? And here it is again. And to the shame of the mother who bore you. I mean, Saul just can't let it go. As long as you live, the son of, as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. So after dinner, Jonathan goes to David, and he says, David, you're right. 
King Saul wants to kill you. He really wants to kill you bad. <laughs> he says, it's, it's pretty bad. He says, you should leave town. He says, really, it's probably worse than that. You should probably leave the country for a while because my father's not going to rest until you're killed, basically. King Saul had become so threatened by David's reputation and so threatened by David's influence over the nation that he had to have him killed. And David was 22 years old at this time. And so suddenly David is afraid, he's alone, he's rejected, he's feeling abandoned. He feels rejected by the man, King Saul, who he had risked his life for over and over again. Because by this point in the story, David is King Saul's son-in-law, David is captain of the bodyguard, and David had risked his life to save King Saul's life over and over again. And, and to some extent, David is feeling rejected by the nation that he's risked his life for over and over again, and David is feeling abandoned, David is feeling angry, and David is feeling afraid. And David does what many of us do when we feel abandoned, angry, and afraid, or just abandoned, or just afraid, or just angry. David panicked. He took matters into his own hands. He left a community of people that loved him and supported him. And this is probably the hardest one. He lost sight of the fact that God was with him. And let's be honest, we can all look back now on our, on our lives, now that we have some time and perspective on our lives, and we can say, oh yeah, why did I act that way? Why did I do that? Why did I go there? Why did I call her back? Why did I call him back? Why did I go to that party? Why do I keep spending this money? Why did I leave my family and friends when all they were trying to do was help me? And the answer is this, when you feel abandoned, angry and afraid and leave community we panic we do something irrational and that's what David's doing in this, in this season of his life and if you're here today you can stop this cycle today the first thing you can do is reach out to God God is always for you you can cry out to God this morning the next thing you can do to stop this cycle before it even starts today is you can reach out to the pastors here we would love to pray with you we would love to stand with you in agreement during this season of your life you can also make the choice to get plugged into community here at Grace, there are so many ways that you can stop this cycle before it starts. But in this story and in this season of David's life, David doesn't do any of these things. He just continues to leave. He continues to abandon his community. And this is where we pick up the story. 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 2. So David went to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him. And asked, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest. He said, the king sent me on a mission and said to me, no one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me in a certain place. So, a little background because those of you that are reading near the Bible, the next few scriptures should come to life for you. So, because at this time in history... Like, Israel didn't own control of the region around Jerusalem. So the, uh, the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, many of you remember reading about the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant uh, through year of the Bible. They were held in the most secure city at that time, and Nob was the most secure city. And so Ahimelech was the high priest, and he would go into the Holy of Holies and burn incense before the Lord. See how much you knew from year of the Bible, how much you remembered? Maybe not. Yes, we got a couple up here. But really, that's what's going on in this passage. And so at this time, Nob was the most secure city, and this is where they kept 
the, um, the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. And David answered the priest, and David lies. And why does David lie? He lies because he feels abandoned, angry, and afraid. So the story continues, and this is David speaking. He says this. He says, now then, what do you have on hand? Give me like five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. So a little, little reminder, a little refresher through year of the Bible. So every Sabbath, the priest, they would bake this fresh bread and they'd put it on the altar. And it was their way of honoring God on the Sabbath with fresh bread. Then the priest would come back and lo and behold, God hadn't eaten any of the bread. But God was super appreciative that they had done this. So the priest, they would take this bread and they would eat it so long as they were ceremonially clean. And so through Leviticus and Deuteronomy, many of you remember all the things you have to do to stay ceremonially clean. So David lied. He's not clean. David lied about why it was there. David lied to get the consecrated bread. And now this is where the story gets so intense. And there's so much drama in this next moment. 1 Samuel 21, David asked Ahimelech, don't you have like a spear or a sword around here or something? Because I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon. Because the king's message was so urgent. And at this point in history, David is like one of the most famous, if not the most famous warrior in history. He's like by himself. He looks like he hasn't slept in days. He doesn't have any food. He doesn't even have a weapon. And this is really the part in the story where he almost needs some background music. Because this, the story's getting ready to change. Because in this next moment, David is going to be transported back in time to the very moment that he faced Goliath in this next moment. This is David's, oh my gosh, what am I thinking moment? This is David's, oh my gosh, why am I considering these? This is the moments that we have. Where we're, why are we at the liquor store again? Why are we watching this program again? Why am I getting all these packages? We don't even know what's in the packages I just got. What are all these Amazon packages doing here? This is his wake-up call. This is David's wake-up call. David's looking for a spear or a sword or some kind of weapon. Check this out. 1 Samuel 21.9, the priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here. Dun, 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 dun. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. So we remember the ephod is the garment that the priest would wear to in the Holy of Holies. So basically the sword is in the coat closet. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, yes, there is none like it. Give it to me. Can you imagine, though, David's holding this sword again? Can you imagine he's asking for a spear or a javelin or, or some kind of weapon? And here it is, the very sword that he used to battle Goliath is given to him. And, and so after, after the battle, David kept the sword. I mean, who wouldn't? It was a giant, cool sword. I mean, hold my hands. It was a giant, cool sword. It's like finding Darth Vader's lightsaber or something. You'd want to put it in your tent and show it off to your brothers and stuff. stuff. But later... As an act of gratitude, David dedicated the sword to God. David gave it to the high priest, and David said, basically, I want to remember, God, that it was you, God, that delivered me from Goliath, and that it was not me, God, and I am giving you this weapon, Lord, as a way to remind myself of just that. And then suddenly, 
David is holding that sword. And then suddenly he's reminded of the day that he trusted God completely as a shepherd boy. He's reminded of the day that he's making his way down into the valley of Elah with nothing but a sling and this crazy faith in God. Can you imagine? He's holding, he's taken back to that moment as thousands of men on both sides line the valley to watch this battle. David's standing there. He's holding this sword, all these memories. And on that day, seven years earlier... David looked at Goliath and he said this. David said, the Philistine. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Can you imagine? As a young kid, you're standing there and that's what you say? I mean, it's just so moving. And he's holding that sword that takes him back to these moments. He said, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. What happened to that David? What happened to that David that ran toward danger? What happened to the poet who who wrote these words? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. What happened to that kid? What happened to that faith? What happened to that confidence that God could do anything? He felt abandoned, angry, and afraid. He left community. He panicked. He took matters into his own hands, and he's doing stuff very rationally, like we all do. And in that moment that David's holding that sword, it should have been his wake-up call moment. It should have been a reminder of God's faithfulness and God's provision and God's power, and David misses it. And this is kind of where our story intersects with the story of David, because we can see this. We can see this in other people in a heartbeat, right? You can see people that are feeling abandoned, people that are afraid of, of whatever, and people that are, that are just angry, going through this season of anger, and they're making all these terrible decisions. And you think to yourself, you're just making things worse. You may even say, you're just making things worse. The words you are saying right now can never be taken back. You're just making your life more complicated. You're just building up this wall of regret. And it's so easy For us to see this in other people in a heartbeat. But here's the key. It's nearly impossible to see in ourselves in the moment. And a lot of the time it leads us to this thinking. If God were with me, this wouldn't be happening to me. If God were really with me right now, this would not be happening to me right now. We end up saying things like this. I feel like God has totally abandoned me right now. I don't even know where you're at, God. I'd just love to see you again. Where are you? Leads us to that kind of thinking. And we've all been there. I mean, it's easy to sing these songs when life is going great. It's easy to come in here and sing these songs when the coffee's great and everything's going good. It's easy to give when you got a giant tax return back and you're throwing around the Benjamins or at least the Lincolns, you know. It's easy to serve when you got some vacation days. It's easy. It's easy to pray for others who need help when your life is going great. God, bless them like you're blessing me, God. Come on. It's easy to pray then, isn't it? It's hard to pray when all these things start happening to me that I just mentioned. It's hard to sing these songs when your life is going to. It's hard to sing these songs when you just had your fifth fight of the week with your spouse right before you walked through the door. It's hard. It's hard to give when you've got to pay in on your taxes. It's hard to give when, when you're losing money right and left. And you're just like, I don't even know, God, why are we even giving to you? It's hard to serve when things aren't going good in your life. And pray. It's hard to pray for others because I need somebody to pray for me. My life is falling apart. 
They don't get it over there. I need someone to pray for me. My life is falling apart. I thought David and I were the only one who experienced this for a second. And so David takes Goliath's sword, and David leaves the country. And guess where David goes? David goes to the land of the Philistines with Goliath's sword. Not only that, guess what city David chose he would go to? David goes to Gath. Guess who was from Gath? You can't make this stuff up. This is so crazy. David went to Gath. Goliath was from Gath. So then David, he, he shows up at the Philistines and says, I want to fight for you. I want to fight with your army against my own people. And the Philistines are like, what? Aren't you David? Aren't you the guy that slayed 10,000? Aren't you the one who killed Goliath? And don't tell us you didn't. You're like carrying his sword right now. <laughs> so then David like, comes to his senses and he gets super worried. And this is where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 21. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was there... And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate, letting saliva run down his beard. Akish said to the servants, look at this man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madman that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? This is where I would say, I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. But David, David is scratching the door. David got saliva running down his beard. And the king's like, I got enough fools in my court. Get this fool out of here. And David flees the Philistines. And guess where David goes? He goes to a cave. He ends up spending time in a cave. And again, this is kind of where our story interacts with the story of David. And I know none of you would do this. But some people, they get really angry. And they say things that are irrational. They say things that they regret. Some people, they get into this sense of isolation, and suddenly they're like fantasizing about things they would do, things they would do to other people, how they would get here. They start fantasizing about all these things. And these are things that we would tell other people if we were counseling, never do this. And all of that leads us to this question here today. What is your loneliness, anger, or fear causing you to consider that you've never considered before? What is your loneliness, anger, or fear causing you to consider that you've never considered before. So relationally, financially, spiritually, emotionally, some kind of a lee that you, you thought you would never do, you thought you would never be a part of that, and then suddenly this thing is becoming an, becoming an option, like maybe an old habit that you spent thousands of dollars trying to get away from, years trying to get away from this, and now you're all of a sudden you're thinking, man, I just want to be numb. That's what I want to be. Or what about this question? Who has your loneliness, anger, or fear Caused you to consider that you know you shouldn't be considering. You know you've never really called him back and you never really texted him back. But the other day you texted him and it was kind of exciting. You know, you never really called her back. You never really texted her back. But the other day you did and it was kind of exciting. And they've made it super obvious, you know, that there's a chance for a relationship. That there's a potential for a relationship. And you've ignored it and ignored it and ignored it. But now because of what's going on financially, what's going on physically in your life, in your, in your, in your relationships... This is becoming more of an option. And you know, you know you have no business messing with this. But you almost feel like God has forsaken you. You almost feel like God has left me no other option but this. So even David, at one point in his life, would have said, I feel like God has totally abandoned. I feel like God has forsaken me right now. But David would also say this to all of us here today. I was so mistaken. I was so wrong. 
And so it's from this context and this period of his life that David sat down. He's kind of reflecting over his life and over this period of his life. And he sat down and he wrote this psalm. This is Psalm 910. It says this. It says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Man, that's so awesome. For you, Lord, have never, not sometimes, never the Lord has never forsaken those who seek him. So at one point, David said, I thought I was forsaken. But this morning, David would tell each and every one of us that I was mistaken. And so there's a song that I want to close with today because the song and some of the lyrics of this song, they come right out of the psalms that David wrote, come right out of the heart of, what the, of the psalms that David wrote. And the song that we're going to sing today that as we close will be this. It says, Promise Maker, Promise Keeper. Promise maker, promise keeper, you finish what you began. And then it goes on to say this. It says in the next line, our provision through the desert, you see us through, Lord, to the end. The Lord our God is ever faithful, never changing through the ages. And from this darkness, from this cave, from this anger, from this isolation, from this fear, God will lead you. And ever will you say, you are the Lord, our God. But here's my favorite part. Here's my favorite part for today. And what I believe with all my heart that God is trying to, to get us to do today, collectively and individually, is this. It says this. It says, we won't move without you. We won't move without you, God. As afraid as I am, God, we won't move without you. As alone as I feel, God, I won't move without you. In this angry season of my life, God, I'm so tired of not moving without you. And so when we get to this part of the, of the song today, I want to encourage each and every one of you to make this personal. I want you to say, God, I will not move without you. God, I will not move without you. Make it personal. Because not one time in this season of David's life that we covered today does the text tell us that David said, God, I will not move without you. It's only after David's been in the cave. It's only after David's been on the run. It's only after all these mistakes. It's only after he's taken matters into his own hands. Does he come back to God and say, God, I will not move without you. God, I'm so tired of moving without you. And if you're here today, you can stop this cycle. You can stop it. The first thing you can do is you can cry out to God because God will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never turn away anyone who earnestly seeks him. You can reach out to one of the pastors here at Grace. We would love to pray with you and stand with you through this season. You can get plugged into community here at Grace. Don't abandon community. Run toward community. C3 signups are going on all this month. You can get involved in a new group. Serve Day 2019 is coming soon. The marriage conference is happening soon. Initiate. Don't wait. There's connect cards. You can fill those out and turn those in. You can move towards community today. You can make the decision today. And if you're here, like, man, I've just been in a cave, God. I feel like I've just been in a cave. I, I feel, God, like I'm just totally lost. You can just cry out to God and say, God, I will not move without you. God, I don't want to move without you anymore. You can pray that today. Amen.